Hey, I'm John. I've got a couple of announcements. I want to just briefly go over. First off, good morning and welcome to the Vineyard Church in DeKalb. Excellent. You did see they need a little warm-up first, and now we're getting there. And uh, we're glad that you're here. If you're a first-time visitor, you would have received a visitor bag on the way in the church this morning. Um, and I, looking out, I don't see any first-time visitors. Um, so we don't need to go on with that. Um, this week coming up at the Vineyard is the next event we have. This, we have intercessory prayer on Tuesday night at 7 p.m. It's right here in the worship center. I encourage you to come. It is always a powerful time. I've never been disappointed that I took the energy. It's been hard sometimes based on what's happening Tuesday during the day, and it has always been worth it to come out on Tuesday night and spend an hour, hour and a half praying uh, for the church, for the community, for the world as the Holy Spirit directs. On Wednesday nights at 6 p.m., man, I've heard powerful things about this women's group. They are watching the video series, The Chosen. Um, it's a great Bible study. If you're interested, please register on the One Church app. Um, it's not too late. You can go join anytime. So please uh, see, see Cindy if you need more information on that. Um, our monthly men's breakfast usually is the first Saturday of each month. It's going to be postponed uh, for July. We hope you all enjoy the Independence Holiday with family and friends. And we'll resume again in August, and we'll notify you about that too. And uh, as always, man, follow us on social media. We appreciate that. It helps build uh, momentum for the church, and it helps build momentum for the evangelization and kingdom expansion that we're all so interested in. Also, as a friendly reminder, please silence your cell phones uh, during the service so they don't disrupt around you. Ordinarily, we would uh, release kids to Children's Church right now, but uh, if you have kids, we don't have Children's Church today, but you should have got an activities packet on the way in with coloring and activities. But just because they're not leaving doesn't mean we can't pray for them. So if you could, extend your hand towards a child that's near you and join me in this prayer, won't you? Heavenly Father, we thank you for these children, Lord, we pray your Holy Spirit continue to envelop them, Lord. Surround them. Fill them. Have them grow with a greater knowledge of who you are and how important they are to you, Lord. Bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. John, stay up for a second. So, um, doing everything impromptu. Um, this, this past Thursday, we did our first... Uh, farmers markets outreach and I was at my other job working I just got there in time to help tear down but I heard some really cool things happened during that and so you want to share sure just briefly it was um, it was great a number of people came in and if you, I posted in our, our group so much thanks to all of those I'm not going to go through names but um, our point was we wanted to bring the healing power of Jesus Christ and an opportunity into the community to connect more, and particularly to share the vineyard distinctives with that group as opposed to just other churches. And that is that we believe Jesus still heals today. We had an opportunity to pray for three different people. We prayed for some old friends we hadn't seen for a while, and we uh, met a new guy. Um, um, I sh yeah, I don't know. I was wondering if I should say his name or not. But we had, he was suffering from uh, sciatica. He had, uh, was having a, a, a flare-up. Um, while he was at um, the uh, fair, not the fair, the market. And so, um, oh, thanks, Shauna, so much. She guided him over to our booth. We sat down and got a chance to pray for him. 
He said his pain was at a 10 when he first walked in and sat down. It went down to nothing while he was there. He was able to get up and continue to walk around the market and spend the rest of his day. So I'm hoping that is just the first fruit of what's going to be a continual impartation of God's healing power and demonstration um, in the community. Yeah, and, you know, we, we're doing this once a month. The next one is the... 28th of 28th July. 28th of July. Um, and you don't need any, like, special training or, like, anointing or whatever. Just show up and help. Come and, see me. Yeah, see there's John. any training you want, I'll give it to you in five minutes or less. Yep. Jesus' prayers are all short and simple, and they work. Walk, see, be healed. And so this is a great opportunity to, to get out, to minister, and it's in a safe environment because you got John there and you got a bunch of other people there who, who are, love the Lord and uh, know what they're doing. Yeah, never alone. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you, John. Thank you. Um, I'm, I'm excited about that, actually. I'm really excited about what may uh, come to pass at the farmer's market. And we're still getting our feet wet as we go with that. And uh, I know when I showed up to help tear down the tent and all that other stuff, John was saying, you know, he had ideas for what he wanted to do a little differently next time. Um, but I think there's a tremendous opportunity for us just to get out into the community, um, to go out into the community. And that's something that needs to be a part of, of what we're doing and who we are. Um, you know, throughout this past month, we've been looking at what it means to, or what it looks like to actually flourish in our faith, to actually move towards Jesus, to become more like Him. We don't flourish in faith accidentally. It's not something that just happens. It's not like you say a prayer, and all of a sudden you get this downloaded upgrade, and everything is, you know, wonderful. Um, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a purposeful decision. It's about how we focus on our lives, about what we do. It's about the rhythms that we create in, in our lives. Not just our, our church life or our spiritual life, but the entirety of our lives. Every aspect of it. And if we're truly following Jesus, our lives should be guided by something. Uh, and so as we're restarting this church, it seems important that we create a rhythm for this church. Something uh, that helps us move towards Christ to become more Christ-like, something that we can do both corporately and individually, uh, something that will help us flourish in our faith. And so what we're calling it is something called MG3. Uh, four words, four questions that help create that rhythm. Uh, we started three weeks ago with the, the M in MG3, which is meet. And the question was, how are you meeting with Jesus daily? You know, our, our, our relationship with Jesus is the foundation of everything we do and everything we are. It's our identity. And if we're not investing in that, if we're not meeting with Him daily, then, then we're going out blind. You know, when I say it's foundational, I mean in every aspect of our life. If our relationship with Christ isn't good, if we're not investing it, then not just our spiritual life suffers, but our personal life begins to suffer. The way we relate to other people how we relate at work, everything begins to suffer. It's foundational to who we are. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we went to the first G, which is grow. And the question was, how are you growing in community and in faith? We believe that growth comes within the community of God, within the church community. And so as we participate in things like Sunday service, or even the bonfire, or go even deeper, uh, you know, the women's group, or, or the small groups that will be rolling out in the summer, 
or, or classes or apprenticeships or internships or what have you, we begin to grow both in community with one another, but we also begin to grow in our understanding and we grow in our faith. Last week, we looked at the second G, the third letter, third word, which was give. How are you giving this month? You know, being in community isn't a spectator sport. It's not something that we just go to and, and what we can get out of it. It's about giving to one another, about investing in one another. We talked about our time, our talents, and our treasure, how we invest our time, how we invest uh, the talents that we, we can do, the, the giftings that we have, and how we invest our money. And being part of a healthy community means that we're investing into it. We're sharing what we have. And as we've looked at those three words, we're continually drawn back to a passage in Acts. Every week, we've always gone back to this passage, and it's this picture of the early church in Acts 2. And it says this, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All believers were together, and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to everyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their, bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. Those three rhythms are all in that picture. They're all there. We always say, if we could just be like, you know, that first century church. That's where those rhythms are. But there's something at the end of the, at the text that's, that's really interesting. It's this amazing statement. And the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. This wasn't just a community that was ministering to itself that was experiencing all the blessings uh, to themselves, somehow, someway, people were drawn to them. Somehow, someway, the gospel was getting out, people were hearing it, and they were coming into the community. And that leads us to the final letter, the final word, the final G, and that's go. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we just invite your presence here this morning. We say, uh, Lord, come into this place. Lord Jesus, come into this place. Lord, begin to speak to us as we dig into your word. Help us hear from you. Let your word transform us. Let it, let it, uh, let it go deep within our lives, within our hearts, within our minds and within our spirits. We thank you. We just pray this all in Jesus' name. There's a reoccurring word that Jesus uses over and over and over again when he speaks to his followers. Um, we see it in his final command to his disciples in Matthew uh, 28. Jesus says this in verse 18, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. We've heard that. That's the great commission, the great call to the church to, to go and make disciples, to, to go out and, and preach the gospel. But there's an earlier version of that same command, of that same call 
in Matthew chapter 10. It's one that, that I preach on continually. It starts in verse 7. Jesus says this, As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, now freely give. Did you catch that word? They're in both. It's go. Go. Jesus commands us repeatedly in the Gospels and in Acts that as followers of Him, we are called to go out into the world and tell them about Jesus. We are called to go out and make disciples. But for some reason, that, that, that's something in the Western church that, that we're uncomfortable with. We tend not to do it. John mentions we're going to put up a tent at the farmer's market. We're going to pray for people. We're going to talk about Jesus to people. And we mention that, and some people come to help. But a lot of people hear that and think, that's scary. That's a scary thing to do. I don't know what to tell people. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to act in that situation. John must have the gift of evangelism or something like that. He's an evangelist. We'll just let John do it. That's not my gift. You know, it's interesting. Movies are back out again. I don't know if you've noticed that. I don't know if you've been to the theater at all. But have you ever seen like a really good movie? A really good movie. You walk out of the theater and you go, wow, that was good. I enjoyed that a lot. And then when you see your friends or you're hanging out with someone, what's the first thing you do? I saw this movie the other night. It was really good. I came in today and I told, I told Jeff, I go, I watched this TV show. You should watch this. You'd really like it. We tell them all about the movie. We say, you should go see it. You know what? If you want, I'll go see the movie again. We can go together and see it. You ever done that? Or, you ever go to a new restaurant in town and have like this phenomenal meal? So last, yesterday afternoon, Cindy and I did something that we've talked about doing for 20 years and we've never done. We went to Greek Fest. So the Greek Orthodox Church in town here sets up booths uh, in Hopkins Park, and they sell food, Greek food. I don't know if you like Greek food. I do. It's good. And so we went, and we stood in line. We ran into Bryce there, which is pretty cool. We stood in line, and we got some gyros and some Greek salad, and um, then we got this dessert. I don't know what this thing is. I can't pronounce it. They were like fried balls of dough soaked in honey, with uh, cinnamon and powder on it, and oh my, they were incredible. Like, one of the, I like pastries to start with, okay, but this was like, wow. And so I'm telling you guys about this, because it's like really, really good. And if you want, they're doing it again today. And so after church, we could all go to Hopkins Park and get these fried dough balls. We don't have a problem with that, Right? You'll tell a friend about a restaurant. You'll even say, let's go and get more food at this place. Because it's incredible. But when it comes to Jesus, we're afraid to share that. We don't want to tell people about Jesus. We, we keep it on the down low. Which is interesting. Because Jesus affects our life far greater than fried dough does. And He affects our life far greater than a movie can. Yet at the same time, we're, 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 we're afraid to tell others. We're less likely to tell them about what He's done in our life. 
We, we, we justify it with things like, you know, religion is a personal thing. I don't want to, you know, intrude on someone else's business. Or, or, you know, I don't want to offend people. If I talk to them about Jesus, I'll more than likely offend people. Or, or you know, what will people think of me? Pastries is a personal thing. You know, I don't want to offend people by telling them I ate Greek pastries. And what will they think of me if I told them I ate a dozen of these things without even stopping? You know, anything forward. We don't care about that. But for some reason, when it comes to our faith, when it comes to the person who can transform our lives, who can give us life everlasting, we're afraid. We don't want to offend. And, and as we move towards those thoughts, as we, we try not to offend, what happens is, as an individual and as a church, we begin to turn inward. We begin to come more like a country club. This becomes a place where we go and we're just concerned about ministering to ourselves. How can we make this place more comfortable for ourselves? And we end up with the question of, okay, so then if that's the case, what's in it for me? What do I get out of this? Church becomes more and more inward. And although the occasional new person might accidentally show up over time, church starts to diminish. Both in numbers and in visibility to the outside world. And that's what we see repeatedly these days in the church. But what's interesting is that's not what Jesus called us to do. Jesus called us to be somewhat different. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, Jesus says this. Nope, that's not what he said. Verse 13, Nate. Matthew chapter 5, I'm sorry, verse 14. Jesus says this. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. See, the light coming out of us should be so bright that the world around us should take note. Jesus is that light. And agree with us or disagree with us, they should not only know that we're here, but our actions should change the atmosphere of everything around us. So that those who are around us, notice what Jesus said, should glorify their Father in heaven because of who we are and what we do. That should be pouring out of us. The fact that, that there's a church on the south side of DeKalb should be so noticeable that it should change the environment of this part of town, if not the entire city. But is that really the case? Let me ask you this. If a tornado came today and ran right through the church and knocked it down and shut us down and blew us up, what would happen? Who would miss us? I mean, other than you guys. Who would miss us? When we start to think about that question, it gets kind of depressing. 
start wondering, what do people really think about us? And, and lucky for us, over the past 48 hours, the world has been very clear about what they think about us. The outside media, the outside world. They think we're uncaring, we're judgmental, we're racist, we hate women, the poor, hate anyone who's not like us. All we care about is politics, power, and money. We might get upset because of that, but, but if we're honest, we've all heard that, right? We've all heard those comments about the church. And the truth is, many people think that of Christians, especially evangelical Christians. They think about what we're against. They don't think about Jesus. Think about who we dislike, who we hate. Because of that, a majority of people look at us and say, thanks, but no thanks. I don't need that. So what would happen if a tornado came and knocked us out right now? Well, that happened a few years ago. Remember when the NIU shooting occurred? NIU said to the churches, uh, they didn't allow us on churches uh, or on campus because NIU saw no value in having the church on campus to minister during that tragedy. A tornado blew through town and no one missed us. And no one wanted us. That's something to consider. That's not how it's supposed to be. Remember what Jesus uh, said to us. We're to be a light to the world. We are Jesus' representatives to the world. Just by our presence, things should be different. And we see that in this interesting story in Genesis chapter 39. All the way back to Genesis. Now, you might know the story of Joseph. If you like musical theater, you definitely know the story of Joseph. Joseph had 11 brothers. They're all sons of, of Jacob, also known as Israel do some incredible music and dance numbers. And then, and then Joseph, uh, he's like Jacob's favorite son. And Jacob spoils Joseph. So much so that his brothers kind of despise him a lot. And so one day Joseph goes out to check on his brothers. Dad sends him, go check on your brothers, make sure they're okay. And they see Joseph coming from a distance, and his brothers decide that the best thing that they can do is kill him. Dysfunctional family. And so they go and attack Joseph. They throw him in a pit. They rip up his, uh, his clothes. And as they're planning to kill him, one of the brothers said, hey, wait a minute. If we kill him, what is in it for us? I have a better idea. There's some Ishmaelites coming over the hill. Why don't we sell him as a slave and we can get rid of him and make some cash along the way? And so they sell Joseph as a slave. And he goes, and the Ishmaelites take him to Egypt, and they sell him. And he becomes a slave to an to a, uh, Egyptian uh, official named Potiphar. And that's where we pick up the story. Genesis 39, verse 1. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian, who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, brought him uh, from the Ishmaelites, who had taken him the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his, his master saw that the Lord was with him, 
and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household, and all of that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in his house and in his It's a bizarre story. So Joseph's a slave. I mean, that's not good. He was ripped from his family. He was sold into slavery by his own brothers. He's in, he's in Egypt. His dad thinks he's dead because that's the story the brothers told. And he's now a slave with no hope of anything changing. And even though you would read this and kind of think maybe Potiphar's the bad guy because he's buying him as a slave, the Lord blesses everything in Potiphar's realm, everything in Potiphar's household, because Joseph is there, just because of his presence. Because the Lord blessed Joseph so much that that blessing poured out of his life and affected everything and everyone around him. Think about that. And the same is true for us. Just as your presence in your neighborhood should invite the kingdom of God into it, because of that, your neighbors should feel a difference. In Genesis 12, uh, verse 2 and 3, God tells Abraham this, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse and all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. Paul later tells us in Galatians chapter 3 that as believers in Jesus, we are now sons and daughters of Abraham and those promises, those blessings now flow through us. So in the community that you live in, in the neighborhood you live in, just by you living there, you should be a blessing to those around you. The atmosphere should change. People should experience, experience God's blessing simply because you are there. <coughs> I know that sounds weird. Let me tell you a story. Last week, we talked about giving, right? We should give. We should give. Give, give, give. And so you all left. And we were messing around here a lot longer than we anticipated to. And we decided finally to leave. And we were walking out the door and I was locking the door. And all of a sudden this minivan, kind of beat up old minivan, pulls up into the parking lot. Now I'll be brutally honest with you. My prayer at this moment was, Lord, let them be turning around. I want to go home. I want to go to lunch. It's Father's Day. We were going to get tacos. I was excited. But they didn't turn around and leave. They turned around and stopped. And then Nathan was there and they started talking to Nathan. And Nathan turned around and he goes, oh, you need to talk to my dad, the pastor. He's over there. And I'm thinking, thanks, Nathan. Thanks. I'm like, hi. How are you guys doing? And then the line came that I fully expected. We need help. I have a way I deal with these calls. Say, well, you know, we're a really small church. We don't have a lot. Lowering expectations right now. We can't pay your rent. I didn't say this, but we can't pay your rent. We can't pay your utility bills. We can barely pay our, our mortgage. So, you know, 
we can help, but whatever the help is, it's, it's you know, I just, I just need gas. We're trying to get to Alabama. I need gas. Keep my head inside and look at his gas gauge. He's got about between a quarter and a half a tank. And I think, okay, we can do this. But we can do this. And I look at him and I said, we're not going to the gas station down the block here because he's insane. I go, we're, there's one in downtown DeKalb that's dirt cheap. We're going to go there. I go, follow me. And so I load all my kids in the van. They follow us. We go to the cheap gas station on 7th and uh, 38. Pull up. Got a much bigger gas tank than I realized, but we start filling the gas tank up. My wife comes because this is Cindy, and she decides we're, she's going to pray for these guys. And so she starts praying for them and talking to them, and they're from Alabama, uh, just outside of Columbus, Georgia, so we have Georgia connections, and she's talking about that. And they're, If you've not been in the South, there's a Christian lingo in the South. Everybody is saved south, right? So they're using the right lingo towards us, and we kind of know it. Cindy's praying for them, and it's a really nice time, and I fill up the gas tank, and I want to go get my tacos, all right? This is my mind. You know, task completed, tacos ahead. I finish it, and so Cindy goes, hey, Joe, let's pray for them one last, or pray for them. So the guy's standing outside, praying for And Cindy walks, we say amen, and she's walking back to our car, turns around and looks at their windshield. This is weird. And underneath the windshield wiper is a gas card for Quick Trip. Now, there's not a Quick Trip anywhere around here that I know of. And she goes, hey, you got a gas card underneath your windshield wiper. And he goes, what? And he goes and he looks, and lo and behold, there's a gas card underneath your windshield wiper. And he goes, I don't know how that got there. And Cindy goes, well, we don't have quick trips. Anyway. We didn't do it. We don't know how it got there either. He goes, you know, I was worried that after I ran out of gas here, I'd need gas for the next run. Goes, well, there it is, right there. The Lord just gave you gas for the next run. Now, I don't know what to do with this story. It's the weirdest story that we've had happen here in a long time. I don't know if God, like, miraculously made a gas card appear on their windshield, because I didn't see it there beforehand. Or if it had been there for miles and somebody stuck it under there for them or what have you. But what I do know is in that moment, they received God's blessing twofold. One, because of what we did for them. And two, because of this little surprise of the gas car. All of a sudden, the Lord's blessing poured out upon this car. Because we were there. Cindy pointed it out. She wouldn't have pointed it out if it rained. They would have put on the windshield wipers and the gas car would have ended up on This is what it looks like when just because you're doing your normal, everyday stuff, the Lord is with you and His blessing begins to pour out of you. Now that outpouring of blessing should also pour out of our church as well. Just because we are here, things should be different in DeKalb. Things should be different in DeKalb County just because of our presence. Not because we're forcing through legislation or we're picketing protesting, but because God's favor and blessing is upon us, it should pour out to those around us. But are they? Are things different? If we're truthful, we'll probably answer that as no, they're not. And so the question is why? Why is there not a difference just because we're here? 
And I believe the answer to that is in this little thing that Peter talks about in 1 Peter chapter 2. Starting in verse 12, Peter says this, Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day He visits us. That weird weekend, news-wise. I think this is a verse for us. Look, we no longer live in a Christian society. If you think we live in a Christian society, you are wrong. Our society and culture has become incredibly pagan, incredibly post-Christian. Most people don't even uh, have a grid for church anymore. As followers of Christ, we, we tend to be highly criticized. Yet, the picture that Paul gives us is simple. Our reputation is affected by the actions that we take. What good have we done lately? Who have we blessed lately? But instead of doing good, we tend to complain. We tend to demand things that we think are rightfully ours. We tend to say, this is what I deserve. We tend to turn the world into us versus them. And in the process of doing that, we miss Peter's follow-up. Verse 13. Submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor or supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to command those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slave. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. We don't honor people around us. We don't. People will not respect us, respect us if, our message is, uh, if our message is that we don't respect them. If we don't respect those around us, they're not going to care for us. And that's the picture that Peter's painting. We're called to go out. We're called to go out into our communities, no matter how big or small, and bring the kingdom of God through our good deeds. What does it look like? It looks like we care. You know what I love about what we're doing at, at uh, the farmer's market? We're not standing on, on a soapbox yelling at everybody that they're sinners and they're all going to hell. We're not doing that. We're not telling everyone what's wrong with them. We're not pointing to the booth across the way that has you know, all kinds of uh, uh, weird stuff and say that's all sinful. We're not doing that. Instead what we're doing is saying, hey, you need prayer? We don't care who you are. You want to experience God? That's the difference. That's the difference. We're called to be the redemptive power of the, we're called to bring the redemptive power of the kingdom of God to be held into the world. So for us, 
It's supposed to look like the vineyard is so ingrained in our community that they don't know what it would look like without us. I'm involved in soccer, so I let them use the, the fellowship hall to do meetings. I let them park the trailer in the off-season out in the back. It's slightly inconveniencing for us, but it's a way that we can like bless them. And most of those people aren't, none of those people are in our church. Many of them aren't in any church. And this is a way that the church can look different. They can be different. It's call, it, it means that we're called to make a difference with our neighbors and our community in our schools. Not just by doing servant evangelism, but becoming the church to DeKalb. So let me ask you this. When was the last time you called your representative not to yell at them or complain to them, but to pray for them? When was the last time... You were a blessing to someone who was different from you. See, when we change our attitude, as we do it, people will begin to come to Jesus and we begin to fulfill the Great Commission. Now, in July we're going to begin to unpack some of this because this is a lot. I'm telling you to go into the world, to go and make disciples, to go and heal the sick. That's a, that's a heavy command. And so we got to take some time and understand what that really looks like. We're going to look what it means to bless those around us. And we're going to give you a really simple way to do that, to be a blessing to your community, to your neighborhood, to your job, and what that looks like. But until then, what is the go look like for us? What's our go question? Now remember, meet was something we did daily. Grow was something we did weekly. Give was something that, that we looked at over a one month time period. But go is different. Go is really different. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 10. As you go. Go is some, isn't something that you do. It's a lifestyle. It's who you are. The picture that Jesus gave us in Matthew 10 was, as you're walking down this road in your everyday ordinary life, do this stuff. Do this stuff. Live out your life. And that leads us to the question. As you go, this is where the question gets confusing. As you go, how are you living out we're going to teach you about BLESS in July. It's five everyday easy steps to love your neighbor, see the gospel advance, and change the world. That's my tease. Come back. I just want to wrap up with this. MG3 isn't a program. It's not a sermon series. It's a rhythm that we're called to live in. It's something that we all need to commit to. And as we do, we can begin to experience what the early church did in Acts chapter 2. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. That's grow. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. 
All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possession and to give to anyone who had need. That's give. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. That's meet. They broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Wouldn't it be great to be part of a community like that? Wouldn't it be great to experience that? To do that, we need MG3 in our lives. So, how are you meeting with Jesus daily? What does that look like for you every day to meet with Him? Are you taking time to read your Word? Are you taking time to pray? Are you inviting Him into your everyday life? How are you growing in community, in faith, in understanding? Are you in the women's Bible study? Are you showing up at church? Will you be in our small groups in the fall? How are you giving back to the community monthly? Are you volunteering for things? Are you bringing your talents and your abilities and sharing them with the body? Giving financially. And finally, as you go, are you a blessing to the world around you? Let's stand and pray. Holy Spirit, we just invite your presence. Lord, it's so easy just to put words out there, to put catchphrases out there. But Lord, we desire more than that. We desire to experience You. Lord, we desire uh, that You transform us into that community in Acts. Lord, a community that is, is passionately in love with You. That is meeting with You continually. Lord, a community that is growing community that loves one another, that takes care of one another, a community that gives to one another, supports one another, and a community that's not afraid to go out and share the gospel. So Holy Spirit, we just pray right now, come into this place, begin to move amongst us, begin to transform us into that community. Lord, begin to put rhythms in our lives that draw us closer to You. And Lord, allow us to start right where we are. Lord, not to be something that we're not, but let us start right where we are. And move toward You. We thank You. Let's pray this in Jesus' name. Do you pray for anything today? Healing for life's issues, I want to invite you as we dismiss, feel free to come up. We want to pray for you. Otherwise, may the peace of the Lord Christ go with you wherever He may send you. May He guide you in the wilderness. May He protect you in the storm. May He bring you home rejoicing at the wonders that He has shown you. May He bring you home rejoicing once He comes to you. Have a great weekend. See you all next week. Amen.